Are we good? Okay. Hello, this is Doctor Barbara Kiel. Actually, a lot of my clients prefer to call me Doctor Bibi, and I quite like it, to be honest, because I think there is a ring to it, Doctor Bibi. Don't you think? Anyways, you are listening to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast which will show you how easy it is to be honest. What? You don't believe me? Well, stick around and let me give you the tools and knowledge. Hello, everyone. This is Doctor Bibi, and welcome to my podcast. To be honest. Now let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish to put your hand on your heart and close your eyes, unless, of course, if you're driving or operating heavy machinery, then don't do that. Take a deep breath in. Let it out with a sigh. And let your thoughts go. Let your past go. Take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart, and imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light. And know that you are safe. All is well, and so it is. So take another deep breath in. Hold it for five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one, and let it out with a sigh. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. Last week, I started on the topic of divorce. The question was, should I stay or should I go? So this week, I am going to touch on、uh, the topic of preparing your children for divorce, and this applies to both biological children as well as stepchildren. So to be honest. When a couple decides to end the marriage or de facto relationship, telling the children is without doubt one of the most difficult things to do. The logistics of the breakup—that is, which parent leaves, which parent stays in the family home, the timing. Vary from couple to couple. What is constant in all family breakups is the need for an explanation to the children. Sometimes older children may be far ahead and sense that their parents are headed for a marital breakdown. 
for example, teenagers who nightly hear their parents battling may not be surprised when one day mother and father announce the breakup news. Younger children, however, are often blindsided by even obvious clues that their parents do not get along. In fact, younger children may be oblivious to the idea that their parents are unhappy. Now, the divorcing spouse must tell the children that mother and father are parting, as well as give the children an understanding about what is in store for them. Now, this may sound easy, but it's not, because so many routines that an intact family enjoys as part of a sense of normality will be disrupted for sure. So, I have decided to share with you Dr. Shiloff and Dr. Albert Fish, and others recommend the following considerations in preparing children for divorce. Number one, children should be told about their parents' plans to separate when the decision is definite. Circumstances vary from family to family, but children should only be told after a decision has been made to separate. Obviously, spouses contemplating a breakup need not share this information with their children. Because the uncertainty and ambiguities of this situation would simply needlessly confuse them. Number two. Now, this step is very important. Parents should tell the children together and tell them the same story, if all possible, because you can't. Force another partner to do this if they choose not to. Why did I say it is important? Because children need to hear a believable story from both parents, and the story should be neutral and unencumbered of unnecessary information. What does that mean? This means that separating parents should not give children information that might cause them to take sides. According to Dr. Shelov and Dr. Albert Fish, here are two satisfactory explanations. You may say something like, "You might have heard mom and me fighting a lot. We have tried." But have been unable to agree on issues or to stop fighting. Now, nothing in this explanation incriminates one parent, or when the parents have grown apart. You may say something like, "You may have noticed Dad and I don't talk or laugh that much together." We are no longer able to feel close to each other, and we cannot make it better. Again, nothing in th- 
this explanation blames another parent. So the mutual story of the divorce, according to Doctor Saposnik, is one of the most important first steps that parents can take in preparing their children for the changes ahead. Here's another example. We have been married thirteen years, and we both love you children very much. We used to also love each other a lot, and we still do care about each other. But over the years, we both realized that we don't love each other like married couples do. So we have been unhappy with each other for a long time. We tried to make it better. We even went to counseling, but it didn't help. So we have tried very hard to love each other again, but it just hasn't worked. We each feel that we will be happier living apart from one another, and that we will be better parents to you if we live apart and are happier. We will both still be with you regularly and continue to take care of you, but just at different houses. And the third step is to stress to the children that they are not responsible for the breakup of the marriage, because depending on the age of the children, the younger they are, they tend to unconsciously blame themselves. So what I'm saying here is that. One of the cruelest ironies of divorce is that children frequently imagine they have somehow caused their parents to separate. This can make the profound sadness in the life of a child just at the time when he or she most needs reassurance. And the fourth step is. Children need to hear that their parents are separating from each other, not them, because children fear abandonment. Parents must assure them that even though one parent no longer be around the way、uh, he or she was before, the departing parent will be back. For them, and the fifth step is that children must be told they are loved. This is self-evident. The news of a breakup makes children feel lonely and scared. Love expressed as well as shown in hugs and kisses helps take away the fear. So, from the onset, divorcing spouses must avoid. Drawing the children into any crossfire—that is most important. This means, among other things, spouses must avoid enlisting the children as allies, or spies, or even messengers. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. The parent who can see the world. As their children gains a very sobering insight into the trauma a divorce 
works in the lives of those who really have no say in the matter. That's why I often say the children are always the true victims of divorce. Now, this vantage point can be invaluable because it gives a parent some perspective on how the child is interpreting or absorbing the change. To be honest, young children feel the changes that are going on around them in the world. And depending upon the age of a child, their world can be very small. They are aware of the changes that are taking place between their parents and how they react to each other. The children also see how these changes are affecting the way they live. And later, when the parents separate, they are disturbed by not being able to be with both parents on a daily basis. Children often are dissatisfied with shared custody or visitation schedules and are insecure in their new environment. No doubt, the spectrum of children's reactions to divorce is broad, and maybe it can be helpful if I share with you some of these recollections. A child said, Why doesn't my mommy want to be here with all of us? Even a child who knows mommy loves him or her struggles with the hole created by her physical absence. Another child may say, I don't understand why I go to my daddy's on the weekends. We have to understand visitation as an idea may be difficult to grasp and less enjoyable to experience. Another child's experience may be, I remember always feeling as though it was all my fault, and I would cry myself to sleep a lot. So we have to understand, as parents, a divorce tragedy happens when a child blames himself or herself. Another child may say or think, I think they still hate each other. So when parents continue the battle, a child feels caught in a crossfire. Here's a more positive one. My parents have always been fair with me. Even though they were divorced, they were both always there for me. I love them for that. So when parents make an effort, they can protect a child from divorce shrapnel. Here's another positive one. I have grown up to be a very secure person. Both of my parents have always been there for me, and they both make the time to talk to me together if that is what I need. So divorced spouses who remember they are still parents can be as effective as parents in intact marriages. So please remember that. Put your child's needs above all, including your own. 
because children are honest about what they see and experience, and they are able to describe how they perceive what is going on around them. Initially, children do wish that their parents were still together, but as time goes on, they will eventually accept the divorce. So, based on my years of experience. In helping my clients, here are some common questions and answers. What is the worst thing a parent can do for a child in a divorce? And the answer to that question is: the worst experience a child can suffer in a divorce happens when warring parents fight about their children in a drawn-out. Custody battle. Not only will the parents come out of the experience with a lasting hatred of each other, they will also subject a child to a tug of war that can pull him or her to pieces, mentally and emotionally. Another common question from my clients: What is the best thing? A parent can do for a child in a divorce, and the answer would be walking the talk. What does that mean? A parent who is there when a child needs him or her, who shows their love by loving, does more for a child than one who tries to buy a child's love with gifts. Or one who offsets guilt by letting the child run free. Another common question is: What must divorcing parents avoid? Well, I would say parents must not speak poorly of each other in the presence of their children. Why? Because children. Particularly younger ones may take this as a prompt to take sides. A child does not see his father or mother as husband or wife sees a spouse. A child sees a parent as and just that, one of a kind and not replaceable, because a child loves them both. And more importantly. They do know, no matter how young they are, fifty percent of their genes comes from the father and fifty percent from the mother. So, if any child sees one parent is bad mouthing the other, unconsciously the child would think, "Oh, so fifty percent of me is just flawed; it's not good enough." And unbeknownst to a child, indirectly, you are shaming them. So, parents, please, please, if you don't remember anything from this episode, please remember: don't ever, ever badmouth the other partner in front of your children. And before I signed off. I have some exciting news. 
I will have a guest on the show in the next few weeks, so stay tuned. And until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to be honest. Bye for now. You can find this podcast, to be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www.drbarbarakiao.com. D R B A R B A R A K I A O dot com. <laughs> <laughs>